Season 3, Episode 5 of the Birding Life Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm your host on the podcast where we discover birds and the people that pursue them. This week's guest is songwriter, storyteller, nature lover, conservationist, podcaster, and of course, a birder. I am pleased to introduce John Edmund. John has recorded four albums titled Tales of the Bird Watchers, on which he shares stories and information about a variety of birds, along with fun songs to help you learn their calls. This is a fun episode where we learn about John and his passion for all things nature, and we get a taste of the songs off the albums. The good news is that the four albums are available as a box set from the Birding Life's online store. They are available right now for a special introductory price. This will make a great gift for nature lovers, those that want to learn bird calls, or for your children. There's a link to the shop in the notes to the show. So, let's get into today's episode. The Birding Life is proud to be associated with Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars, and spotting scopes, as well as the Bird Lesser Bird Logging app. Spot, plot, play a part. Download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. The Birding Life is a lot more than just a podcast. It's a multi-platform resource to connect birders with each other, amazing locations, the best resources, and obviously where to find amazing birds. Check out our website at www.thebirdinglife.com, our YouTube channel, our various social media platforms, as well as the other podcasts we host. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to help others find the show. So let us get into this week's episode of the Birding Life Podcast. So I've got really privileged tonight to have a chat to John Edmonds. I want to welcome you to the show, John. It's really great to have a chat to you. Oh, thank you very much indeed for having me. Well, this podcast goes all around the world, so I can imagine there's some people that are listening to this podcast right now that have absolutely no idea about who you are. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Right, okay. Uh, it's, we've got about 86 years to go through. I'll be 86 this year, but I was born in 1936 in a place called Luantia in northern Rhodesia. It's now called Zambia. I did my nursery school there and my bit of the primary school there. And after World War II, my mother needed some heart treatment. So the family went over to Scotland, to Edinburgh, to see if we could get, get it sorted out. But the treatment was long, long, long. So I had to stay in Edinburgh, and I attended school there for two years. Then I returned to Northern Rhodesia, and not long after that, I was sent to boarding school in South Africa because we didn't have high schools in those days in the north. So... I got into Christian Brothers College in Pretoria, where I was a, a boarder for six years, and I matriculated there. I returned to Northern Rhodesia, and I started my career in IT on the Roan Antelope Copper Mine up there. And, uh, yeah, that's more or less so, uh, the beginning of my life. In uh, 1956, I did my, na my national service in Bulawayo in Rhodesia, and I served on the Congo border with the Royal Rhodesia Regiment and also during the unrest in Northern Rhodesia. And basically that's where I bought my first guitar at a, a trading post. I didn't know which end to hold it. I didn't know how to tune it or anything like that. But got around that and I started writing little ditties for my fellow soldiers to keep them uh, happy. So basically that's a little bit about myself. 
So some listeners may recall that in 1973, you released the hit song, Toy Train, that spent 18 weeks on the South African music chart. So we're speaking to a pop icon here. <laughs> Thanks very much indeed. Well, that, that song came about, uh, I had recorded some other stuff before that. Just to give you a background, I was peddling my songs as a songwriter around the publishing companies of Joburg with not a lot of success. And uh, songwriter Terry Dempsey spotted me. And in 1969, he offered me a recording contract. And he wrote a song called Fairy Tales. And everybody laughed because it's a kiddie song. And it was a huge hit in South Africa because there was a lot of kids in those days. Then he wrote a song called Round and Around. And uh, that also entered the charts. And then it was entered in the World Song Festival in Japan. And I was very honored to represent South Africa at that, that function in Tokyo. Then in the 1970s, I was an uh, international traveler for the Gallo Record Company. And uh, on my travels, I, I heard a song called Pasadena, written by some people that were at the Tokyo Song Festival, actually. I recorded it. It was a huge hit. And uh, on my travels in the United States, I picked up the song Toy Train, written by a guy called Dwayne Blackwell in 1973, and became a pretty nice hit for me. So uh, that, that's the story of, of, uh, of Toy Train. So one of the reasons that I got you onto the show is to talk about your Tales of Birdwatchers albums. And I've really enjoyed listening to these here. And we'll chat a little bit about why I've enjoyed that as we go through the show. So can you tell us a little bit about the albums and how they came into being? Well, uh, I was a bit of a field guide. And uh, on my travels around the bush, I met many people, old trackers and tribesmen. And during my upbringing in northern Rhodesia, my early bush mentor was an old man called Kashili, uh, who told me a lot of folklore stories. I also met pioneers of uh, wildlife films and sound recordings of animals, a man called Dick Rucastle and another man called Len Gillard. And uh, I wrote a, a series called Tales of the Game Rangers because I'd got all these animal sounds and things to put it in, put them in. And uh, after their success of nearly cool. 30, 40 years, I thought, why not a Tales of the Bird Watchers? Because my grandchildren were very interested in birds, and I thought this would be a good way to get them to, to listen to bird calls and, and, and get interested in, in birding. So uh, I had a little bit of bird knowledge, and of course I had the calls. And as a songwriter, the rhythm of the, the calls and their sounds were inspirational to build songs around. So that's how the songs came. So I thought, I'll just make a Tales of the Bird Watchers based on Tales of the Game Rangers. Yeah, so what I've, what I've really enjoyed with the, the albums is, is you, before each song, there's a little bit of an, there's a little introduction. And in the introduction, you, you speak about the bird, you give, sometimes you give the scientific name, you also give the Afrikaans name, the Isi Zulu name, which is really great. You know, you bring all the different cultures in. And you share some information about the bird, which, you know, for young listeners be cool. But what's really awesome is then you share this little story. And I just, you know, you spend that two, three minutes listening to the, the little introduction to each of the songs. And they are so well put together. You know, one thing I've, I've seen through your music through the years, John, is that you're, you are a real storyteller. And I think that comes through throughout the album. Yeah, thank you very much indeed. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's great that, that it's coming over, you know, because that was the, the idea to to get people, and especially young people and beginners, you know, interested in, in, in birding. Of course, uh, you know, the boffins, <laughs> they probably laugh at it, but uh, 
but it was it was great to to put it together. Yeah, and I'm glad that that you enjoyed it. Well, we're going to give people a taste of the album as we go through this podcast. We're going to be playing four different songs from the album. But as someone who's been birding for about five years, I think it's about five years, I know one thing that I struggle with, and I'm sure a lot of other birders struggle with, if we be honest, is bird calls. And one thing that these CDs do is it helps you to remember bird calls in a fun and easy way. You like listen to the songs. And like you said, not just for for kids, but also for adults that want to want to learn calls i think it's it's a fantastic cd because i think the visual part of birds is always easy but the to learn the the calls is a lot more difficult yeah that's right so what we're going to do like i said we're going to give you a taste of uh four of the songs from from the album the first song we're going to play is a song called good lord deliver us so can you tell us a little bit about the song and about the bird that the song sings about as i said earlier i did my national service with the rhodesian army and we spent a lot of nights sleeping under the stars in wild places. And, you know, you, you had to be quiet. You never had to make a noise. And one, one time during the Congo operation, we weren't allowed to have fires and not allowed to talk and had to lie down in the bush and that sort of thing. And I listened to a lot of bird calls. And, of course, you heard all the owls. But the, the one that always came through was the fiery neck nightjar. And that call was... It kept saying, good Lord, deliver us. And that's one of the, they, they call it the litany bird. And I think a lot of explorers and old pioneers of the bush also went through the same experience as me. So when I heard that call and I got the call, I think from Len Gillard, I thought, wow, this is going to be great to, to make a song around. And of course, the rhythm and I put a story about, you know, soldiers, you know, listening to it and, and young Boy Scouts and Girl Guides in the bush and listening to the the call so that's how this the song was was made i built the song around those those uh, ideas once there was an old explorer in africa they say those were the days when danger was never very far away in his camp he'd lie awake and listen to the sounds of the night and when lions roared near his campfire, he would live in fear and fright. All alone out in the wild, he hoped he would survive. Wondered if the next day he would be alive. Softly he would say a prayer like a holy litany and listen to that litany bird and owls in harmony. Oh, good Lord, deliver us was his humble plea The night jaws afraid like me Like me Once there was a schoolgirl Who loved the great outdoors She loved to go out hiking And walk along the shores Said that when she grew up She'd love to be a guide or a marine biologist studying fishes, seas and tides Or about the birds and beasts, the grasses and the trees Or tiny insects on the ground, or flying ants and bees And often when out camping, thought she had no fear Jackals and hyenas and the night sounds she would hear Oh, good Lord, deliver us she would then have to pray 
She would hear the night just say it's okay. Once there was a schoolboy who said it was his plan to become a soldier when he grew to be a man. So diligent that he was sent to fight for his country. He was close to death and danger when he faced the enemy. All that he was wishing for was that the war would end, and he prayed that one day the enemy would be his friend. It does not matter whether it's times of peace or war. You can say a little prayer, no matter where you are. Oh, good Lord, deliver us! Do soldiers have to die? Call the nightjar in reply. I don't fear. Peace will be here by and by. Yeah, so that's definitely one of the distinctive calls for many South African birders. Uh, yeah, you hear that bird. It's one of those calls that just is one of like the soundtrack of, of the night in South Africa. So let's rewind things a bit. How did you get into birding? Well, as I told you, you know, I, I spent two years in Scotland and we lived in a place outside Edinburgh. And uh, nearby, there was a beautiful estate called the Ravelston Estate. It was a uh, it belonged to some very rich people and, and the gamekeeper... The gamekeeper's son, Willie, Willie Brown and I were in, in, in school together. And we had uh, carte blanche to roam around the, the woods at Ravelston Estate. Nobody else was allowed there to, except Willie and me. And uh, we went and we looked out for badgers and foxes. And we were very interested in birds and all the, the British birds, you know, and especially their, their songs, you know, like the thrush and the blackbird and the linnet. and of course, the Skylark, and we had a, we started our own little nature club, and then we invited one or two of our mates to come and join this nature club, and we we never had binoculars or anything like that, but we wrote down, we didn't have books or anything like that, but we wrote down all the birds that we saw, everything from hedge sparrows to house sparrows to to magpies, and uh, and then at night they we would hear the uh, the curlews calling, and in Scotland uh, they call them a whop for some reason or other. So uh, that's how I got into birding. Uh, a little, was a little boy of eight or nine years old, and, and we just loved r- rambling around in the woods. So that's how I got into it. And then later on, you moved to Rhodesia, which is now known as Zimbabwe, or I think it was Northern Rhodesia at that time, uh, Northern Rhodesia, which will be Zambia. So what, have your, what are some of your earliest memories of the special place? And can you remember the difference between the, the birds and the nature in the two different areas? Because obviously between Edinburgh and, and Africa is two vastly different places. Yeah, absolutely right. But uh, uh, as I said, I was actually born in, in, in northern Rhodesia, so I didn't actually move there. But I did go back there, you know, after school and that sort of thing and for school holidays. But uh, I think the, the vivid memories are before we went to Scotland, rambling around in the, in the bush uh, in, of northern Rhodesia, it was a very small town. And there, was, oh, there were rivers and forests and birds. And uh, the old uh, chap that used to work for us, his name was Kashile. And at nighttime, I'd go up to his, his little house at the back and, and we'd sit around the fire. And he would tell me all these folklore stories and, 
and I'd sit there eating mealy pup with him and and I just loved him you know he was a, a, I actually wrote a song about him when I left called Kashile you'll be able to get that I think you'll be able to download it or something but that song is out and that was one of the vivid memories I had of of growing up in northern Rhodesia yeah, so just on a side note there, you were talking about millipup, which is uh, the word up there, if I remember correctly, was the word satsa, quite a cool word. Yeah, that's right. We called it satsa up there, but now it's called millipup. But if a guy says satsa, then you know he comes from north of the Limpopo, that's for sure. So, John, you're a nature lover and you're passionate about conservation. You know, just, you know, I was just reading up a little bit of your story and seeing how you've, you know, through the music you've done, there's, you've you've been able to contribute not just songs that are musically excellent, but songs that have actually been able to be contributed to towards different causes. So can you tell us a little bit about how your experiences shaped this love? And also, how have how has your music been used for conservation and conservation causes? Yeah, well, it goes way back to uh, when the Great Kariba Dam was built. And during our, our leave on, from the army, we'd go down to Kariba and, and watch it filling up. And that was way back in the 1950, mid-1956, around about there. And uh, while I was uh, there, I was very honored to meet a man called Rupert Fothergill. He was busy with a, a scheme called Operation Noah, and that was rescuing foundering animals from the, the rising uh, uh, Zambezi River, and they were stuck on islands. And, and this man was a fantastic uh, – he was – Actually, Rhodesia's first game ranger, and uh, I was so impressed with with uh, with Rupert and and seeing what he was doing, and also in the 1970s, rhinos were being poached in 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 the north part of of Rhodesia near the Mozambique border, and there was a scheme there. It was actually sponsored by a petroleum company to dart the rhinos and move them further south to the Gonorizu Reserve, way down in the at the bottom of Rhodesia. And uh, I was so taken with this, with this, the scheme and the the way those guys uh, did this fantastic thing. So I wrote a song called Chipimberi, which is a Shona word for uh, rhino. And uh, the, this is this is why I got so passionate about conservation and and uh, the rhinos and the animals drowning and that sort of thing. So I wrote songs about that. I wrote uh, uh, Rupert a song called Noah the Phantom Ranger and. Uh, Actually, uh, a record company heard my songs and said, could I put them together on an album? And there was a guy called uh, Robin Taylor who actually lives up here in the Waterberg. He's still alive. He's about my age, a bit older than me. And uh, I saw him not, the, uh, not, not, not long ago. And uh, Robin was the guy that, that uh, funded and uh, the album called Wild and Beautiful and Free and was all about conservation, everything from rhino poaching and uh, the mountain zebra and uh, all those sort of things. So that was an album that, that Robin was instrumental in, in getting off the ground. So all my passion went into songs and the songs went into that album called Wild and Beautiful and Free. I think one thing that was was so inspiring, you know, having chats to my folks who grew up in Rhodesia and that type of thing, they grew up there. And it was interesting then when they when they spoke about how carefree the life was, where they were able to go. And I had a chat to someone who used to live and say they used to just ride their bikes along the road and, you know, find a, find a nice spot and just put up a tent and sleep there for the nights. And, you know, that kind of carefree living and, you know, this how, how they grew up alongside nature must have just been like totally different to the way we live now, where it's almost like 
for you to experience a lot of that now, you have to almost go to a, a game reserve where those days it was just was a totally different lifestyle. And I think it was a very special time to grow up, I can imagine. Oh, indeed. Indeed. Now, I think a, a lot of the young kids today, uh, they miss that. And uh, I, I'm so pleased that my grandchildren uh, come to visit me often because I live on a, on a game reserve. And we spend a lot of time wandering around in the bush and I tell them about it. and I just love it. And they enjoy it too. So I think a lot of a lot of kids are missing out on that, and, and it's a bit of a shame, but that's the way life is these days, you know. Let's jump to the next song on the album, and the next song we're going to listen to is a song that every time I go up to Johannesburg, this is a bird that I hear all over. It's not a bird that we often hear down in KwaZulu-Natal. It's the grey go-away bird. So tell us about the song and also about the bird. Right, okay. You know, I'm not against hunting as long as it's done fairly and the right way. And... Uh, the go-away bird call has been haunting me for years and years. And I wrote the song, The Go-Away Bird, way back in 1960-something. And uh, I just this is long before bird watches was, was ever conceived. And I wrote the song and I put it in the cupboard and nothing happened. And then when the, uh, when the bird watches came up, I thought, wow, this will be great to pull this out of the cupboard. So we pulled it out and I got the chords and I got the call and I... Re -re I recorded the song with the call and, and the original lyrics that, that I wrote. And, uh, you know, as I say, I'm not against hunting, but this bird, he's an early warning guy, you know, and he's cursed by some hunters. And uh, apparently the Bushmen of old also hated this bird because they would have to sneak up very close to their quarry with their little bows and arrows. And as they were ready to, to pull the string, the go-away bird would say, go away, <laughs> it would run away. So the go-away bird is not, not all that popular with hunters. And uh, I thought it would be great to, to make a little video of it. And uh, we made a little video of the go-away bird. So maybe you should have a look at that sometime. It's on, on, uh, on YouTube at the moment. But uh, it was way back in the 1960s that I, I wrote this song. And I'm glad it's on bird watchers. A sprightly young hunter rose early one morning before all the birds were awake And he hoped that he might, at the first hour of light, find a handsome big trophy to take As he slowly crept over the brow of a hill to see just what he could see He heard upon high the air-splitting cry of a go-away bird in a tree Go away, go away, go away from our haven I'm gonna be spoiling your fun You and your ravishing gun All of the creatures below in the valley ran off When commotions were heard The frustrated young hunter was left in their dust With one noisy go-away bird Go away, go away, go away from our haven I'm gonna be spoiling your fun You and your ravishing gun So he followed his quarry for mile upon mile Till at last he approached once again but a scream to his right put his victims to flight And his stalking had all been in vain 
Go away, go away, go away from our haven. I'm gonna be spoiling your fun. You and your ravishing gun. Now the angry young hunter raised up his long rifle and pointed it up at the pest. And as he let fly, the bullet went shy, and I don't have to tell you the rest. Go away, go away, go away from our head. I'm gonna be spoiling your fun. You and your ravishing gun. Go away, go away, go away from our head. I'm gonna be spoiling your fun. You and your ravishing gun. So, John, later on, you moved to South Africa. So tell us about the early days in the country. You know, um, in 1965, there was a lot of uh, unrest and stuff in, in northern Rhodesia and in Rhodesia. And uh, uh, things weren't looking very good uh, career-wise. And uh, I'd, I'd started in IT, and uh, I trained in England as a, a programmer analyst. And then I put, uh, looked up for an advert to try and get to Johannesburg to further my music and, and also to further my career. And I, I got a job with the Greatermans Ackermans group and I was a programmer analyst for them. And it was going very well, but gee, I hated Johannesburg. It was freezing cold and, and uh, I'd sit in this dingy little office and long for the weekend, you know, so as I could head out to the bush. And one day I was sitting in this dingy little office window was facing a brick wall, and this pigeon came along and sat on the windowsill and it looked at me and I thought, gee, you feel the same way as me, mate. And I wrote a song called Sad Little Pigeon. And at that time, there was a, a group called Four Jacks and a Jill, and they'd gone to America. Uh, had, they had a hit called Master Jack, which I was um, instrumental in getting f- for them from a, a fellow songwriter writer called David Marks. And when they were in America, they they sent me a telegram. They said, "Have you got any songs? Because we want to make a we want to make a record in in New York." So I put it on a tape and I sent it airmail over to them in in New York, and they recorded six of my songs on on the album. And the one was called "Sad Little Pigeon." So that might have been one of my first bird bird songs. I didn't put it on bird watches, but I actually hated Johannesburg. But uh, uh, I got a, a job. I was peddling my songs around Johannesburg and I went to the Gallo Record Company. I said, you guys want any of my songs? And the guy said, yeah, well, I will look at them. Where, do you, where are you from? And I told him, and I said, the guy said, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm a computer analyst. They said, you're a songwriter as well. I said, yep. They said, we're looking for a guy with those credentials. Would you like to join Gallo? The salary won't be very good, but I think you're going to enjoy it. So I left Greatermans and I joined Gallo, and I worked for them for, for 16 years in their publishing, the music publishing company, and uh, I ended up as the MD there after 16 years, and um, that's, that's basically uh, how I furthered my music career. Later on, you moved to a bigger farm in Limpopo. Now, for anyone who's listening from around the world, Limpopo is one of the best birding provinces in South Africa. And during this time, you wrote more albums pertaining to wildlife and conservation. I moved out of Johannesburg area, and we bought a little farm up in the Limpopo province in the Waterberg. 
and we, we, we were just crazy, my wife Teresa and I, and everybody said we were crazy to, to go farming. What do you want to go farming for? You've got a great job, but you've got a nice little business. So we bought this little farm. It had no electricity and there was just a rondavel on it and no fences. And so we started off farming garlic of all things. And we used diesel engines for our uh, old Lister engine for our lights in the rondavel. And we had a diesel engine pumping out of the borehole and we were doing quite nice with our, our, our garlic. But then we turned it into a, eventually developed into a little lodge. And we built a couple of chalets and things there with, uh, with the meager money that we had. And uh, that's when I, you know, got more inspiration to write, write these albums pertaining to wildlife. So it was great to be there and that's basically how it came about. So the next song we're going to listen to was actually, it's a song about bird that was the BirdLife South Africa Bird of the Year in 2019, the Secretary Bird, and it's in a song called Knees Up. Interesting name for a song. So tell us about the song and also a little bit about the bird. Right. Well, what I could tell you uh, is that whilst on this farm, that we were there for about 28 years eventually, and we built it up into a really lovely farm. We had an aerodrome and we had fly-ins and we did bush pilots courses and stuff. But while we were there, one day, we were down out in the bush, and this secretary bird flew into one of the game fences, and he was stuck there. So we didn't really know what we were going to do about this. So we rushed back to our rondavel, and we got a blanket, and we threw it over this secretary bird, and we released him, and off he went. And I was so enthralled with this bird, and he used to come to the farm quite a lot and strut around there. And then several years later, there was a... a a secretary bird nest on a farm not far from us. And uh, we had some friend, I had a friend that was with Endangered Wildlife Trust. And they did a little experiment with uh, with these birds. They, they got a hold of the one chick and uh, they put a, a radio transmitter on him. And uh, and when he fledged, he left. And then they, they tracked him all the way. First flight was about 16 kilometers. Then the next flight was about 25 kilometers. Then the third flight, he flew about 100 k's. And then the fourth flight, he flew all the way to, to Botswana. So he was basically a, an international traveler. He stayed there for a couple of years. And then he flew back into South Africa. And they followed him, came back. And he didn't go back to his own original nest. He turned south. And he went down further towards Pretoria. And unfortunately, he was the victim of power lines. And that was the end of that, that little story. But the bird... The bird is a fascinating and a fascinating bird. It's actually uh, the on the coat of arms of South Africa, and it's uh, it means like protection from from snakes and bad things. And it's also on the flag of Sudan. So it's a wonderful bird. And uh, of course, I had the call, and of course, that call had a fantastic rhythm to it. And often used to say to people that came to the farm, listen, watch where you walk because there's a couple of snakes around. So keep your knees up. And of course, that's how the song came about. Keep your knees up and watch where you're going. And so just put the whole thing together. That's how the song Knees Up came about. See the stately secretary bird strutting through the grassy fields of gold. Seems as if he's got some quills behind his ears like secretaries of old. 
But others say that Secretary Sinhalese are only fakes. They say he's Sagittarius, the hunting archer known for killing snakes. He says knees up, knees up, knees up, knees up, knees up, knees up when you walk the fields. That secretary bird appeals. You never know what's lurking down there in the grass. It might be some nasty snake that'll bite you as you pass. We watch him as he's hunting some hapless creature that might just fall prey. Lizards, rats and mice and snakes and other birds that might get in his way. But with his long and scaly legs, he'll flush them out and stamp them with his feet. And when he has stunned them, he's gonna stab them with his beak. He says, knees up, knees up, knees up, knees up, knees up, knees up, if you are a hiker. Just be like a diker. Step so sprightly, nice and lightly, zigzag left and right. When you touch the ground, don't stick around, don't give them time to bite. When he kills his prey, he swallows them head first down his throat. If a snake chances to bite him on his wings, he doesn't need an anecdote. Then we see him take a run as he takes off for the sky. Way above the clouds, at dizzy altitudes that are quite high He says knees up, knees up, knees up, knees up, knees up Like zebras often do When you're walking through Be discreet where you put your feet Stepping through the brush Believe you me, what you can see is something you can't trust. Knees up, knees up, knees up, knees up, knees up, the secretary bird has told you thrice. Pretty good advice. So again, as the listeners can hear, you can hear the the songwriting style of John, the storytelling coming through. And I just think it's a great CD for the family, a great road trip CD. So John, as someone who has spent many years in Zambia and Zimbabwe, as they are called right now, what are some of your favorite game reserves to visit? And I ask this because Zimbabwe, honestly, is one of my, I was born there, but it's honestly, it's one of my number one destinations I want to go to as a birder. So if I were to go up to Zimbabwe or listeners are listening and say that they were to go up, what are some reserves or special places that you would recommend that they visit? Well, they've got some wonderful places in, in Zimbabwe. And I think 
a very small little game reserve that I used to frequent a lot as a fisherman was um, was the Kyle Kyle Dam. There's a very small reserve there. It was really beautiful, beautiful around the the Kyle Dam and a lot of birds. And I think I I with my eldest daughter, I think we ID'd our first bird at Kyle, and it was um, an Oriole. So that was the first bird that we we heard and we sneaked up to see what it was. So uh, Kyle has got great memories for me, and I've written songs about it as well. But uh, uh, also Gonorrhea Zoo. Teresa and I went down to Gonorrhea Zoo, and we had wonderful experiences down there some years ago. And, of course, Wangi, as they call it now, Wangi. That's a wonderful game reserve. And then uh, going over the Zambezi, you go northwards, and I spent a lot of time at the Kafui Game Reserve, at the hook of the Kafui up in, 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 in Zambia. So those are some of my favorite ones. Of course, we spent a lot of time up in the, in the Chimani Mani Mountains, and there's a lot of little reserves and things up there. So the place is rich in, in, in game reserves. And actually, the, apparently, it's been pretty well looked after. So I'm, I'm pleased about that. But I think that Gonorrhea Zoo... I think there's been a little bit of poaching going on there, but we were lucky enough to see it in it in its heyday. I think one of the places that I really, really want to visit is Mana Pools. I've just it just looks like this absolutely special place to go to. Oh yes, of course, Mana Pools, amazing, amazing, amazing. But uh, getting back to uh, Gonorrhea Zoo, there's a little place on an island in the middle of the Sabi River, just on the border of Gonorrhea Zoo Game Reserve. The birding there is absolutely fantastic. There's quite a couple of hundred of, of species. There are a lot of birders go there. I just, at the moment, I can't remember the name of it, but it's 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 wonderful. So we're going to go on to the last song, song number four. And this song here is about probably one of the most distinctive bird calls in, in Africa. I think if you hear this call, it just screams out Africa and it's the fish eagle. So tell us a little bit about the song, Chuckle Chuckle. Um, it's an interesting name for a song about a fish eagle, but tell us a little bit about the bird and a little bit about the song. Right. Well, uh, Chuckle Chuckle, of course, I got that bird call from Dick Rootcastle. And uh, as I said, I, I've done a lot of fishing at Kyle and uh, all over the place, at Kariba especially. Uh, I had an experience there where I, I caught myself some nice bream and tiger, and I had them in the boat, and uh, I was busy baiting up, and this fish, fish eagle came down, and he whipped my catch right out of my net and took it up to devour it. So uh, there's a lot of stories about fish eagles and, you know, about how they, you know, they, they actually go for for uh, little monkeys and things. And once I, at, a, at a restaurant down in, in George or Nisla, down there somewhere, uh, the restaurant was an outdoor place and they had uh, fish eagle calls playing all the time. And I said to the, one of the waiters, why do you play this fish eagle call, fish eagle call? He says, that's to keep the monkeys away from the tables. We're expecting a, a big group coming in and we, when we set the tables, the monkeys come down and they eat all the snacks. So we just play this fish eagle call and uh, we don't get any monkeys coming here. So there's a lot of stories about the iconic voice of Africa, the, the fish eagle. And the call seems to say, chuckle, chuckle. He's the biggest pirate that, that you can ever get in the, in the bird fraternity. <laughs> so that's how the song came about, chuckle, chuckle. We chuckle, chuckle quite a lot. Pirate anything you ever caught.
We are gonna have a little chuckle Think they're safe and they're in a huddle Barbles, crocs or ducks that hatch Anything a fisherman or stork can catch Monkeys, even terrapins Anything that walks or flies or swims Hear us calling near or far We are the voice of Africa We're gonna have a lot of chuckles When a barbel blows his bubbles When he comes up for a blow Catch him as we sweep down low We'll have another chuckle Cause we know that old mother crockle Guard her hatchlings tenderly Baby crocs are a delicacy We chuckle chuckle quite a lot Anything you ever caught We will have an even bigger chuckle Watching ducklings as they waddle After their mama quacking and a hissing When she counts her clutch One will be missing We're gonna have a super chuckle At a fisherman with his line in the muddle The fish he caught is not his yet Gonna steal his catch right out of his neck We're Gonna have a lick of chuckle Seeing a monkey getting in trouble Stealing things is his delight Gonna catch him and take him on a flight We're gonna have a super chuckle At a stalk that has a bull like a saddle Catches a fish and chucks it in the air Try to catch it again, it won't be there We chuckle, chuckle quite a lot Pirate anything you ever caught we chuckle, chuckle quite a lot. Pirate anything you ever caught. So, John, it's been fantastic to chat to you. And I want to I wanna finish with the last all-important question. It's, you've written songs these birds, uh, bird watcher CDs, you've written songs about conservation. So the question is, is what legacy do you hope to leave one day? Well, you know, when uh, old songwriters uh, go to the happy guitar strumming ground, they, uh, they leave their songs behind and they're embodied on CDs and they're embodied uh, on the internet and they're embodied in YouTube. And uh, I like to think that I've written songs that can educate people. I, I also do historical songs about the Boer War and uh, the Zulu War. And uh, I, I, the legacy I like to leave behind is I hope that my songs will will sort of not educate people, but enlighten people about history, about birds, about animals. You know, when, when the great singers like Frank Sinatra passed away, his voice is still heard. They still play his records. So I think the legacy I'd like to leave behind is one of enlightenment and entertainment and get people to remember conservation and remember their history. And uh, that's basically the legacy I'd like to leave behind. So John, thank you so much for your time. It's been fantastic to chat to you. And this has been a very, very special time. I want to thank you. And I also want to thank Teresa in the background. It's been so great to chat to you. Thank you very much indeed. It's been wonderful to be on your show. And from the bush here and from the, the Waterberg, I wish all the listeners and you and yours all the best. Thank you so much. Good night. 
We are proud to be working in association with Wild Books Online Store to help get all the best birding and nature books into your hands at a great price. If you would like to support the Birding Life Project and the resources that we are putting out, please click on the link either in the comment section of this podcast or our social media posts. Your support helps us to improve and hopefully make a bigger impact. Don't forget to follow The Birding Life on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. We appreciate everyone that takes the time to interact with these accounts. Be sure to check out Bird Lesser and download the app on either iOS or Android and keep a lifeless while playing your part in social conservation as well as Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars and spotting scopes. So until next time, be blessed and happy birding.